it's April 17th, 2020. Today we discuss MFA. Some good stories in the news, government contracts, and prioritization. I am Michael Askins, Architect Taste Labs, and this is the Technology Architecture Solution Engineering Show. How you doing, Mr. Girl? How are you today? I am doing good. How are you on this fine Friday? Oh, it's okay. It's a Friday. I'm, you know, scrambling because uh, a bunch of things came in last night for the day job that uh, um, I have to address, which is fine. I That's what we're here for. So, um, yeah. Just kind of, you know, it's a busy day as normal with, uh, you know, like a lot of a lot of people draw down their day on a Friday, which normally we try to make a, a, a general policy of no major changes or no major disruptive things uh, leading into a weekend unless it's an off hours planned thing. Right. Um, it seems like uh, seems like that's uh, thrown to the wind today. So, yeah, I've kind of noticed that one, too. I've got a pack schedule from not deployment related items so i mean which is good makes the day go quicker but you know it is one of those days yep absolutely it is but that's that's good now um you know it's getting warmer out and people are getting itchy being locked in so i'm seeing more and more people taking strolls around um which is good catch up fresh air get away from the screens get away from the video calling um so yeah what, what have you uh you're doing well and everything's good in that space i mean we just recorded yesterday so i kind of have a good idea on that too as well but <laughs> yeah uh, actually it, it's kind of a bit chilly out there for me today um so i over lunch went down and um we have a, a treadmill on a, at a bike in the basement slash garage area of my apartment here. So we, I went down and listened to a podcast and walked on the treadmill for a half hour or so and did some stuff around the house for a bit. So it's good to even I know I've, I've talked about in, in a number of um, venues before about how it, it's good to kind of break up your day and, and whether it's through exercise or through a chat with your significant other or whatever it may be. Um, it, that's even more so, uh, important, I think during, during the lockdown and the quarantine, cause people can get in their own head and kind of get stuck of or sick of the same, uh, stuck routine. So I think it's good to kind of decompress and do something that helps you unplug for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So I'm one of those weirdos that like really like that same old routine. I find that comfort in that uh, in that routine. And you know, I'm also one of those weirdos that like the whole the whole lockdown bit. You know, uh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm I'm quite I'm quite okay not uh, dri- driving crazy and and you know getting all over the place and doing a lot of the uh, a lot of our activities remotely or, or via video so i'm embracing that uh, lack of being out there in the public for the last few weeks at least i'm telling myself that <laughs> yeah is that is that how you actually feel or is that wishful thinking <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll put that in the parking lot for a later conversation <laughs> Um, so yeah, I just wanted to circle around. I know we recorded just recently and it was kind of one of those ad hoc shows. We had some topics we were going to get to, but you know, we figured we'd bring it back to our same formalized format as we get some of these additional, um, additional segments to the show plugged in. But, uh, you know, I just wanted to cover a couple of news things, talk again about what bits we're adding to the show moving forward. Uh, and, 
you know, just generally get a, a a feel for what you're experiencing in some of these some of these core areas. So, uh, you know, the one area I wanted to talk about is MFA is now available for all Azure Active Directory users. So that's huge. So in the past, when you turned on MFA, you used to have to go to this portal, you got a link and you scan something your employer made. You know, it was a process, right? Well, there's still a process, but it seems to be um, refined and expedited and has the ability for, for people to use the MFA bits more so than opt out of it. So like somebody can self-enroll. Um, so what are your thoughts on this? And, and, and I'm sure you saw a bunch of the news articles and, and as a day job Microsoft partner, you know, you get shared off some things and you see a lot of this coming, you know, in our conversations, but it's here, it's GA and it's not going anywhere. So thoughts. So I think that MFA in in the past on how you would set it up in the Office 365 portal, et cetera, was, and I'd, I'd like to consider myself a mildly intelligent individual. Um, I, I do this for a living and help organizations which with much bigger problems than enabling MFA. And, and by enabling, I mean having the end user go in and, and enter their credentials and their second factor and, and what have you. So I'd, I'd like to consider myself a mildly intelligent individual, but every time I get a new cell phone or my cell phone dies and whatever, I get a new one, whatever, um, which has happened mildly frequently over the past number of years that I've been in this space. I can't remember. I'm pausing you right there. You willingly bounce between phones though. I do willingly bounce between okay. phones just so, for the fun of it. So yeah. it's not like I'm like always getting an upgrade. I sometimes go backwards just to see if I can deal with it. So, but every time I do that, it's, I have to like figure out where all that stuff is. It's like buried and you got to like find it and it's kind of hokey. Um, I've noticed recently they're kind of even on the end user side of that question, having an uptick in um, being able to like use the, the, the authenticator app on multiple devices, which was an issue in the past. So I have some of my devices that aren't my daily driver cell phone that have that, which is super awesome. Um, and I don't know. I think that um, they're they're making great strides in that area to make it easier for end users, especially because as IT professionals, if that's the requirement, we're going to figure out how to do it. But as an end user, um, if it's too much of a challenge, they're going to say, "Well, I can't figure it out. I have stuff to do. I have you know reports to write or or things to sell or, or what have you." So I think anything they can do to make that process more streamlined, um, even if it is pretty streamlined to begin with, more streamlined, uh, more simple to set up and and work effectively, you'll get a higher adoption rate. And with that higher adoption rate, is higher security for you and your organization. So I think it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. So the one the one challenge that I always try to get people to overcome uh, when having conversations with with clients or potential clients when they start talking about MFA. So, so we we touched on it a little bit in a couple episodes back with Teams and some other things. It's, it's not just the MFA bits; it's also other technologies that provide. You need to be in depth, right? Security in depth. You want to have, um, you know, your thought go into how you handle your identity and access and how you handle authentication period. So like, are you doing pass through? Are you just doing hash sync? Are you doing, you know, you're requiring MFA. What bits are you requiring MFA on? You know, can you target just certain bits? Um, 
what is the main goal of turning it on other than saying I check a box from a risk assessment every year saying I do MFA? Uh, what is the ramifications on that from an end user perspective? Um, I know a lot of people did some sidestepping when they made things mandatory and they turned on app passwords and, and there's certain things you can do there. Uh, so it's it's more than just saying, okay, MFA is on. You need to have a good understanding of how it actually interacts and interoperates with what the technologies you're using it for. Now, from a logistical phone device, you know, I'm going to get a call, I'm going to get a button that's going to pop on my screen, I'm going to hit approve or press one for yes or say yes or however you do, or if you're doing, you know, chips and security, physical objects, dongles, you know, however you want to handle that is, is you know, you might have this grand idea, but you need to look at holistically. And, and I'm not a big fan of this network. You need to look at the solution from end to end with what operationally needs to be done and you need to look at it from from an end user perspective and end users in this case aren't just your users out in the field they're your administrators they're your people who are doing things around that space yeah i think too um being flexible in what type of device you can use for um for that that uh, second factor is critical too especially in times such as these where it might be difficult to get a physical device if you're doing the sort of um uh, key cards or, or USB plugs or something like that. So having a, a fail safe of a phone call or a text message or an authenticator push notification, I think is super critical too. Um, and maybe not enabled all the time, but at least part of your disaster recovery plan, being able to flip that switch. If, you know, somebody, sure. somebody drops the, the key card in the garbage disposal and it gets crushed, they still need to work. And who knows how long it's going to take to get a replacement. Or they have to yeah, or they have to use their phone to fend off a bear. True story. <laughs> True story for a, a Tales from the Keyboard uh, blog, potentially. <laughs> use their phone to fend off a bear. Like what, chuck it at a bear? <laughs> like I said, stay tuned to this space because that's a oh. good story. Uh, if, let's that's just, not, if that's not something to get our listeners to stick, <laughs> I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, and I have another one with wildlife too. It's it's uh, trash panda related, raccoon related. So uh, I got another good another good story there. So I'm, I'm sure in your minds you're you're turning. So we'll, we'll keep you wanting for more there in that space. Um, yeah. So. It, it is about device. It is about how you handle it. And it's also about having secondary secondary mechanisms. So when when Microsoft MFA came out, you know, we had projects. We did it internally to turn it on. Everything was great and it looked wonderful. But the one thing we found was is when people needed to reset things up or say their devices weren't available or or what have you. The thing that I thought was kind of a, a burden and one of the reasons why people are like, this is not a great solution at the time. This is, you know, many years ago now. If you needed that secondary method of authentication, you would uh, have to call your IT person and they would have to change it from app to call and then punch in the number you wanted them to call. And then you would go in and have to reset it back up. And it was, it was like an ordeal. So now that this is, uh, you know, integrated in a self-service style, I think it's a little bit more straightforward. Um, way for users to be more self-sufficient yes i think that is super critical uh you know relieving stress on the it staff to do kind of mundane repetitive tasks it, you know will free up your your 
your staff to do much more complicated improvements and uh, system failure um, kind of scenarios. So absolutely. Yep. So, you know, I wanted to, you know, throw out there, you know, we, we've always did this bit of a current update and what's it doing and how's, how's it impacting technology and how users are working over the last several shows. Um, I wanted to just kind of pivot on that a little bit and um, talk about some of the good things we're hearing in the news around this. And when I say what we hear in the news, we're not talking about like, oh, these fundings being released for here and this, that and the other and all the political ramblings more along the lines of, um, you know, a news article came across in one of my LinkedIn feeds that said, uh, you know, highlighted some Microsoft employees and some contractors for Microsoft to do food services for them. And it like showed them how many lunches they prepare every day for for students in regions in which those offices serve. And, um, you know, I sat there and I read the whole, I read the whole article and there was bits I went back to and it was really, really kind of, you know, being Microsoft partners, I'm not bringing this up because, because they are them and we are Microsoft partner. I'm bringing it up because it was like the right thing to do. And I'm sure there are very similar stories over at the competitors at AWS and at Google. There are similar stories across all of the technology spectrums where they are paying their employees or paying their contractors or paying their standard staff, um, non-exempt people. They're, you know, they're trying to take care of the community to keep it going as long as they can. Um, they understand that they need people and they were built on people. So when I see them going even just beyond that and these same people are coming in and donating their time to help help build out and and, and feed kids you know and the reality is is there's a lot of areas in this nation where that's a, a one of the main mechanisms for you know nutrition for for some kids so seeing that continue through with many businesses uh, and not just technical world like I was saying there's many all over the place that are doing such good things uh, so I just wanted to acknowledge them and and uh, if you're doing stuff out there you're just as you know important to the resolution that we need to get back to as normal as possible. So, oh, you know, we take our hats off to you and thank you for that. Any other good news stories you're hearing? Uh, there's, there's so many, um, which is, I guess, surprising for me. I'm, I, I try not to have a super pessimistic outlook on the world, but the, I guess the, just the amount of, of support that, that, has been given out is is kind of incredible to see. I think you know just a couple examples from a non technical perspective. Since you covered a couple of the technical ones, um, you know there's a a chain of food slash gasoline uh, provider on the east side, or I'm sorry, the west side of Pennsylvania, not the east side of Pennsylvania. So that's enough information for you to figure it out if you're clever enough and care. You're talking um, about sheets. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> okay. Um, not not a sponsor. <laughs> not a sponsor, but you could be. They um they are doing a lot of of work with you know free lunches for for um, students and you know uh, sort of uh, areas where it's kind of hard to do that financially. Um, so I think that that's a, a huge thing. I keep seeing them pop up on my on my um, 
Twitter feed and, and getting emails about how they're kind of changing things to kind of help with that area. And the amount of workers that are donating their time, literally donating their time to help is kind of amazing. And, and another one more locally to, to my area, I think I, I told you, uh, Michael, was um, here where I'm from, there's a local distillery that normally I don't purchase anything from just because I'm I'm not a, a fancy sort of alcohol drinker. Um, but they actually stopped the, their, uh, distilling process for, I forget how long, but they donated like 3,300 pounds of corn, uh, and distilled a whole bunch of stuff, uh, and turned it into hand sanitizer following the CDC and, uh, WHO guidelines and donated it to the local hospitals around that were running out. So, you know, stuff like that, I'm, I'm kind of impressed and I'm like, you know what, I will go buy a bottle of your whiskey or what bottle of your bourbon, just because, um, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's the right thing to do to support them. Yeah, for sure. It just, you know, since we mentioned alcohol, just classify this as an adult show. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's so many things across, uh, across the lands. I saw there was a Canadian boy scout that developed a, uh, a solution for, you know, people who are frontline workers dealing with this. And, and we have some personal friends that are nurses and doctors and, and who's also children are nurses and doctors and uh, nurses specifically. And the one thing that you keep seeing is people sewing buttons on headbands because they're, they're wearing gear so long that they're getting rashes and they're getting like, you know, their skin getting torn up behind their ears because they're constantly just, and they're, they're in the thick. Right. So, um, so they come up with these unique ways. Well, this kid made a, I guess, a health department accepted mechanism, which isn't sewing buttons on a headband, but this little plastic bar with these like little grooves and these little pop-ups. It's such a simple solution that you actually just kind of put on the back of your head and you just, instead of hooking these masks on your ears, you hook it on there. So it's going behind there and it's adjustable. It's like one size fits like every type of head. And, um, you know, he, he, he kind of did a, made an STI put it out on a github he made a couple hundred for his local hospital and people all over the place now and you see over and over again there's some youtube channels where they come up with like ways to make face shields and things like that um i think the key thing and the takeaway from one of the shows was is if you do decide to do something like this um kind of follow what they want you to do. I know a lot of people want to be that I invented this new way or they see the story of this kid at, you know, they want to, you know, really make a huge difference or if they can make something print faster. If you change things this way or that way, I, I think what was needed. And as we see this thing develop and start trailing towards, you know, round two, if you will, um, the local health communities need what they need. Right. So, if you just do what's asked of you, you, you just immediately get put into the hero column. If you just take the time to try to refigure something out, that's great. You know, local college here came up with a new N95 thing that's easier to deploy, easier to use, easier to clean. And yeah, there's groups of people working on all that stuff. But if you got if you got your 3D printer or you got your sewing machine or whatever it is you got going, um, just kind of follow the directions they want you to. And if you do have changes, you know, work with the leadership that are putting that out so that everybody has, there's, there's a consistency around this and there's a predictability around it so that, uh, 
you know, we, you are helping. So you know, hats off to you too. If you're out there in the community and you're, you're running prints and, and using plastic to make things to make people safe, go for it. And uh, we appreciate that. One other thing I thought was really neat was um, you see the videos for the past several weeks of, you know, towns cheering on their workers and, and what have you. Uh, the local hospital to here actually had a big, Every fire department in the in the in the region, every cop car actually created a lane, a runway for all the workers. So when they got there and they cheered them on, they all went in. It was almost like Super Bowl time, man. It was, was kind of cool seeing uh, seeing them get acknowledged for you know essentially putting themselves out there for for our safety and well-being. So hats off to you there. Any other good news you're hearing? Uh, it, it's, every, um, it's everywhere it's hard to pick it's everywhere it's everywhere it's <laughs> hard to pick um a, a lot of organizations you know without any sort of mandates or shutting down production kind of like the distillery i mentioned but like not just that cause that's an easy one right because it's it's alcohol related they're making hand sanitizer that's a that's an easy jump but a lot of organizations uh, not even in that sort of industry are, are doing their part to kind of make face shields or uh like you said masks or um ventilators and and what have you so the the list of organizations that are doing that are, is too high to mention and that's kind of super super critical to being you know joining the the people that um are out of work or, or businesses that are kind of taking it a down downward spike uh, because of this um they're recognizing that they might be in an industry that doesn't have uh, as much effect by that they're going to have some i think it affects pretty much everyone but being able to donate your time like that and, and recognize that that's going to cost you dollars and recognize that that's not really the most important thing right now is dollars, uh, I think is, is super admirable. So, um, and you guys know who those organizations are hats off yep. to them as well. Absolutely. And it goes a long way too. I know, I know I appreciate companies, not that we're not directly benefiting from anybody that is doing things for others. In fact, we're on the other side. We, we actually give our time to businesses that need help. Um, and I'm not saying that for a plug, I'm just saying the preface, what I'm about to say is it goes a long way with me when an organization does the right thing. And it's not like they're compelled to, like they do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Um, that's one of the reasons why, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're a disciple of Bill, Microsoft. Well, there's a couple of reasons. Aside from their technology is pretty pretty awesome and it's powerful and it's good the organization as a whole does so much good and there and a lot of it's behind the scenes uh, i mean we see stuff that's not for public eyes for the good they do for for the world let alone the things we're as partners like just internal to microsoft because it's like exponential so so to all those organizations again hats off thank you for what you're doing and uh we'll pivot back to some technology stuff and um again we'll bring up microsoft since it was one of my big news news feed article top headlines um the 10 billion dollar government project microsoft had passed at past muster for the government there's a big ethics thing because amazon started uh, uh getting a little tweaked out about uh, Microsoft getting that. And for, I think, more political reasons than anything. So we're not going to go there for that. But um, the ethics team passes muster on that. What, what's, what are your thoughts on that? What do you, what do you think that ushers in for us as, uh, as cloud people? I think just at face value, the fact that the, the government at that layer, especially that 
sector of government is is not even considering but has decided to go to the cloud period is is great for for our industry whether you know amazon kind of starts doing more to say that this was somehow unethical or or whatever what have you um the fact that they are going there period um is is awesome news uh it kind of validates um a lot of the things we have been saying and i think more importantly it's the it's the defense the the, the department of defense right so i think that um the fact that they are willing to do this and the fact that they understand that yes there are security concerns as with anything but there's ways to mediate that i think that kind of invalidates a lot of the fear that some organizations not necessarily that we work with some surely that we work with that have sort of hesitation to move to the cloud because of a security reason um if if our defense department is doing that and and has ways to mitigate it i'm pretty sure uh bob's widgets down the street can can do that too so um (laughs) i think that that's that's just awesome news yeah, absolutely. So, so that this story kind of got me thinking. Um, very, and your comment actually kind of reformed the whole thought, the way you phrased that. And I'm going to pose out a question, and then uh, then I'll respond, and then I'll toss it back to you. So, you may get a tainted viewpoint by me speaking in advance. So, so we see all the time in the collateral and the materials for for you know, making organizations feel good about moving to the cloud and here's the reasons and here's the reasons why some don't and there's the whole list and then there's the, you know, rebuttals to it. And it usually comes down to, you know, a handful of things and the two that are sticking out to me, and I think mostly because of some of the day jobs interactions with certain organizations is that there's, they're either don't trust the cloud because they don't know it. They don't want to tr- go to the cloud or trust the cloud because of security, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And the other one is, is they don't trust the cloud because it's going to disrupt what they do from a career perspective. Um, not necessarily calling out server huggers, uh, but, you know, or technology bit huggers or people that want to have that controlled experience that they have created over the past X years. And they don't want to see that go away because it, that apparent lack of control or loss of control or the fact that it may require a little bit of pain to get there before you know you you know a lot of things happen in the past that you did stuff to make it work but there's those things catch up with you at some point and so some of those shortcuts that needed to be done so like there, there there are three of the many reasons why organizations get like skittish or at least there's pushback by factions in an organization and i and i think security is often used as the excuse because it's easy to get security people or security related things for people to say no but i think it's the latter i think it's more that i don't know what this means for my new world once we get to this new platform or this new service or this new infrastructure what are your thoughts so yeah, you, you did taint me a little bit, but I'm gonna take what you said and, and kind of add my own spin on it. I think one of the one of the many things that that I've learned from you, um, and one of my favorite quotes, uh, and some of them may or may not be PG-13, but my, <laughs> my favorite quote, I think, from a business perspective, that I learned that I'm giving credit to you is is FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, um, and I think that just sums up perfectly. Um, 
why organizations tend to not want to move to the cloud. And I think it's not it's not a definition that here's what it is, period, because it ha- it can it, it's a definition that needs different lenses on it. Right. So from one lens, fear, uncertainty and doubt could be from a technical lens. So I'm afraid that that's not going to work. I'm uncertain that I know all the bits and how I can fix it if it's broke. And I have doubt that I can do everything that I can do on-prem in the cloud, right? But if you kind of frame that into multiple lenses, and this is my own spin, and you kind of touched on this, it makes sense um, from a security perspective. I have fear my data is going to leak. I am uncertain that the requirements are met. And I have doubt that we can replicate all of our security measures on-prem in the cloud. And I think one of the most important things, and it relates to what, you know, I'm, I'm agreeing with what you said, uh, security does usually get blamed for it, but uh, not to throw any cast on security, but security is doing their job by playing devil's advocate. So it very well could be that the security guy, uh, guy or gal that's sitting there kind of throwing questions at you and kind of confronting you about this isn't doing so because they don't think it's a good idea. They are doing so to play devil's advocate so you don't lose important data. So definitely no shade on them uh, before I say this. But I think that the issue um, or the challenge with with this in many cases is you have an IT professional going to a security person and both of them have FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And when that happens, when the security person says, what about XYZ? And maybe that security person is literally just playing devil's advocate and thinks that Azure, AWS, or Google is a great thing. The IT pro goes, oh, you're right. Well, we can't use this. Stay on-prem and goes away. They don't put up a fight. And I don't want to say put up a fight, but that's you know really what it is, right? It's a, it's a, it's a dance where they're doing their job, not, you know, they being the security professional is doing their job by playing devil's advocate. And you're doing your job as an IT pro to see how we can mitigate these very real risks. It's a dance between the two. So, you know, everybody talks about the fight and it really is, but it's not a fight like you suck, you suck fight. It's what about this? What about this? It's more of a constructive dance. So I think that fear, uncertainty and doubt with the lens of the professional, whether it be security or whether it be IT, but I'm going to focus on the IT pro is really what is is at, at fault here. And that could be, I have fear that I'm not going to be able to learn this quick enough and they're going to send me away and hire somebody who's an expert in this. Um, uncertain that you have the ability to do that, which I think in a lot of cases is, is unjustified. Um, if you can do it on-prem with a little bit of, of tweaking and, and rearranging your mind a little bit, it's not one-to-one, but you at least know the framework, uh, which is invaluable. And and um, doubt that, A, it's going to work uh, the same way that, that it is in the past, or, or um, uncertain or doubt that you can learn as quickly as you need to. So I think that from that personal layer is, is really where a lot of the issues come in. And, and once you overcome that, and really as a, as someone who's been down this path uh, myself with, with fear, uncertainty and doubt in this area, really the only way to do it is jump in with both feet. I mean, you're never in Azure or AWS or Google going to be like, Oh, I feel like I know everything now and let's just go with it. It's not going to happen. I don't care who you are. Um, so just get enough of the basics of the framework of the, uh, scaffold of the vision, understand the basic cloud mindset 
um, and, and just go with it and learn as you go. Um, don't necessarily fake it till you make it, but learn as you go. And, um, it's always yeah. going to be an ever growing living document, uh, if you will, in your mind of, of how that works and you're going to make mistakes. You can fix them, um, have play, uh, things in place to make sure you don't make really expensive or really bad security things. Um, that's why you need people like, like Michael or myself to kind of guide. Um, but having consultants or, or architects come in shouldn't be a, Oh, well, I'm, uncertain about my job now it should be they're going to teach me the framework and then you're going to learn as as you go so as long as you have that mindset of of always learning which most it pros do i think you're golden yeah so yeah perfect well put you know the challenge the challenge is a lot of these larger organizations get those um organizations in that want to land and never leave or they want to get in there and they use it as a mechanism to like draw attention to inequities or deficiencies and not just their systems but in their staff too to self-position and uh, you know luckily our approach isn't like that in in how we handle you know things it's about you know I don't want to make this about day job, but it's, you know, about the technology and building people to support it moving forward. And, you know, that that's that's key to the mentality of the receiver of this information, too, is to be open. And, you know, you, you've worked on teams with me before. You know what my one of my number one policies is her butts, right? Mm-hmm. You, you got to be able to at all levels along the way, you know, raise a hand, shoot a flare off, you know twiddle a flag, do whatever you need to do to draw attention to something that, you know, needs to be drawn, you know, attention drawn to without, you know, feeling that, oh, no, I'm I'm not this good person or I'm, I should be further along and I'm not. It's, it's not about that. It's like if you uncover that, I mean, this isn't even technology. This is like personality 101 is like if you're willing to understand where your deficiencies are, if you have a hole or you can you recognize that and you can backstop and fill that as early as you can you're stronger coming away from that and that's you know makes you that champion makes you that person because you've gone down that journey you weren't you weren't handed a solution and said here you go everything's good and then when things you don't understand it when things aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing yeah i'm going to use your word absolutely for that um (laughs) i think that um it's it's something kind of it, the cloud is is interesting because you could do as, as much or as little as you want. Um, and it's it's kind of awesome in that way where you can get something up and running in a lift and shift kind of mentality. And then as you learn, hey, we can use this PaaS service or this even software as a service solution to kind of replace these these items. You can really grow your environment as you're growing yourself as a as a cloud engineer, a cloud architect. Um, and I think it, kind of mirroring what you said, um, regardless of the organization uh, you or I work for, I think that we're we're bringing that kind of mentality of we've never been people uh, in, our, in as long as I've known you and definitely as long as you've known me to be one that wants to kind of land and and uh, kind of take over. Um, we are truly architects at heart um, where we enjoy the high level and the planning and the um, execution oversight of the execution of that plan. Um, But we get satisfaction from understanding or or really teaching, I guess is the right word, teaching staff to kind of be self-sufficient because we can then move on to the next project. And if that next project isn't tomorrow and our our project ends or our our, uh, contract ends, that's what happens. Um, and you know, we can start over with when you need some more support. So 
I think we've had good luck with that in the past. And and I think that's the kind of whether it's us or, or others, that's the quality that the listener should look for in in a architect or in a, a consulting firm or, or what have you uh, in the cloud space is because it is so massive. Uh, I think a lot of companies are kind of fearful to say, oh, well, we're going to bring these people on because we're in effect hiring them full time. And that's really not the case if you if you choose the right organization. Yep, absolutely. And uh, see, I said it again. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the key things to, to take take away from, you know, hey, yes, Microsoft got this big government project that's going to enable people. There are going to be people that are it's going to be even people are going to be more and more apt to want to do this kind of a thing. Likewise, even with competitor, their competitors, when they see that this big shift to cloud and then having that right mentality, having the right advisors, I mean, that's all key. And I think that, um, you know, the summing up it all. One of the things that is kind of refreshing of this is is organizations will look critically at what they're doing and understand that highly protected industries are doing this and they have been doing this and it's going to be especially in the new way things are being done it's going to spur on a lot of a lot of thought and how how and what do we need to move to cloud or hybrid or or what have you so that that kind of like leads to you know how, how do we pick and choose what is most important and so that goes into you know our last main topic for the day is like work stream prioritization so you know obviously the impact of covid and what's going on there's projects some projects push out some like spur and flare up because their connectivity and what have you um so so things are all tossed on their head and in a in a meeting call that that we're on this morning i had that same call with two different businesses um in the in the last couple of days and they're, they're they're championing still moving doing projects though the projects that they were approved and budgeted for for 2020 are now not that and and it's not necessarily like oh yeah it's all remote worker because we're doing all this we're remote working now yeah some of it is in that space but i think a lot of it from what i've heard is that people are going to be very judicious how they spend their their funding because of some of the uncertainty with other market performance or, you know, in market performances over time, yes, or this is not a finance show. I get it. Please don't comment like crazy about things like that. But what I want to draw attention to is, is businesses are making real decisions around market, making real decisions around the ability to go and and fire off six or seven new product lines and fire off, um, you know, or I should say launch, I shouldn't say fire off, um, bad word for this time of the year, uh, what's going on. But, you know, launch off, you know, this project that's going to give this benefit down the line. Well, they're realizing that, yeah, we'll give that benefit. However, we can get some deeper cost savings by maybe moving some core infrastructure and file sharing and backup as a service and and, and using some of this core base bits, just, just offloading all of that to something more predictable, something that is is decentralized, but, you know, can be centrally controlled via cloud. And that's the conversations I'm hearing. And, you know, yeah, we're hearing that. How, yeah, let's enable um, Teams and let's turn on voice and let's turn on, uh, let's convert a bunch of things to Power Apps because it'll be easier for our users who are maybe never coming back to work. Um, yeah, they're there, but a good chunk of the conversation is around that uh, commodity, plumbing, getting stuff there, making sure identity is, is available for any service 
not just on Microsoft services, but any service having identity go out and federate out. Um, what are your thoughts on what are you saying uh, with your your line and your customer base right now? I think that a lot of the questions that that the common questions, at least that I'm seeing, rely on teams, as we talked about in a number of shows in the past. So I'll I'll skip over that one, you know, voice and and communication and what have you. But from a from a cloud perspective, I think that you're right. It's it's kind of a question of, hey, we have a lot of of on prem resources. We are looking to get into this cloud thing and prioritize priors. Prior, oh, I can't even speak today. Prioritization is a uh, a, a hot button issue on should we focus on the most important products first or services first, um, or should we do some more less critical ones and kind of practice, but, you know, time is of the essence because of, of the, the day and age we live in right now. So um, having that conversation with clients and, and, and discussing what makes the most sense um, is something that seems to be a, a fairly common trend um, and figuring out kind of that game plan of, of okay, here's the, the basic backend plumbing, as you called it, that we need to focus on like identity and security and monitoring and access and all of that fun stuff, MFA. Um, but I think that going beyond that is is kind of the, just the layer of what do we want to focus on first? What do we want to um, move up there? What do we want to leave hybrid? And I think with COVID, organizations are going to be looking at what they deemed on-prem and not cloud and sort of determine if that is still reasonable, right? Seeing if they still want that to be on prem or if they do want it in the cloud and in the new age. Yeah, absolutely. That's number two for me. So yeah, it's one of the things where, you know, I sit there and I, and I see, uh, I see what's happening in one week one week, I had one multi-year project go from active, starting in two weeks, to paused, to pushed out to Q3, Q4, to indefinitely paused, to canceled, to another business unit come in and take over part of that project and say that, oh yeah, it's back on, but we don't know when it's going to start. We're, 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 gonna, we're planning for it to start end of July to being paused again. Like it's the, the upheaval from, you know, what's happening out there is, is a real thing. Um, so, so what I like to do and from a, from a business and a planning perspective is when we have, you know, virtual leadership and, you know, CIO, CTO, virtual assistance for, for those roles and or assisting people in those roles. One of the things I am an advocate of is a rolling rolling plan, right? You want to have a, like a, a three or five year rolling plan. It's constantly changing as, you know, each month goes, it changes, things drop off, things drop on, new technologies are introduced. It's a living, a living thing, right? So that those plans need to be revisited. So you need to go back and say, okay, what was our goals? Why did we write this up this way? And how important is this to our organization? And when we say how important, we've touched on it many times, but, you know, let's call it out in bullet points. You know, it's important from from an operations perspective that it achieves some operational goal. It's important from an employee perspective that it, it either makes the employee's job more efficient or gives them tooling that they didn't have before to make them their job 
easier or more productive. And then there's the financing bit. Does this affect the bottom line? What is the return on the investment of bringing someone in or, ha- or doing it internally for that matter? Because that's a real cost too. So what is, the, what is the true cost of this versus what we will get back out of it? So going through that exercise for, for technology lanes, uh, be it a, an application or something in the development world to moving infrastructure and infrastructure as a service, you need to look at, and now uh, mind you, there's 8 billion other little things underneath each one. And like if we were to do an engagement, we have like check sheets and all kinds of other stuff. But, you know, just as a broad conceptual, those those key areas of like operations interacting with the technology from an employee perspective. And then what's going to happen from a bottom line perspective? What are we going to get in return as an organization? You know, it seems basic business one on one, though, we see projects being spun up that are projects that are. I don't want to call them frivolous, but I want to say they're more, you know, R&D type things. Like what happens if we take all our all our customer data and we like spin it on its head and look at it in this different way or we, you know, run throw it into some reporting services and, you know, output to try to get a 360 view of our customer and, and things like that, which are certain industries super, super useful and others not as much, but still useful having an understanding of what is that going to bring those projects going to bring my organization? What is that going to do for me? Especially during these times, you know, can, can I still, can I access the things I need to access to run this, to give my salespeople who are now remote or virtual salespeople, the tooling that they need to try to get businesses who are maybe not spending or able to use this, you know, having that fully thought out really helps guide from a technological perspective the things that you need to put in in your new pipeline for work not just here's my rolling plan and oh no we had to pivot some things to make remote workers work let's turn all that on and that's you know an unbudgeted unplanned expense for the year and then we're going to go back to business as usual it's now a time to rethink that whole and reprioritize reprioritize the whole plan if you will I think a couple of follow-ups that I have with that is I think that you're exactly right on, you know, having that three or five year plan. And I think even organizations that had that plan and, and it was a living document and, and flexible and what have you. I think the issue with that is they really didn't account for something as big as, as this um, in their three to five year plan. And probably rightfully so, because kind of who saw this coming. Um, I mean, it was inevitably coming, I guess, from a from just a, a science perspective. But I guess no business person or no IT leader was really sitting there thinking, OK, so our, in my five year plan, if we had a global pandemic, how are we going to reprioritize this? So I think and it's it's not even from a well, sure, sure you did, um, which <laughs> which also, by the way, you can't see this. He just he just waved. But also your custom background blur, which I cannot believe you haven't talked about yet today. Have you noticed in it that it has two black lines perfectly connecting to your headphones? So it looks like your headphones are suspended on the two buildings in your custom background blur. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun, fun to look at. <laughs> OK. And I'm still sitting on the Iron Throne here. So um, <laughs> I think that um, it's it's interesting that, and I've seen this even in in my personal life, and I'm sure you have as well. Where it's not even just a business. I'm even going to say problem at this point. It's it's an everything problem. You have organizations not knowing if they should open up their doors for, or even government entities not knowing that they should open up their doors or not. Um, you have 
uh, restaurants that are doing takeout and some that are just remaining shut. And they're wondering, well, can I stay sustain myself just remaining shut or should I open up for takeout or should I do this? Should I do that? Should I pivot? Should I, you know, should I is definitely a trend. I mean, even from a personal layer, as you know, I recently had a wedding that was actually supposed to be tomorrow and we had to push it way up before everything locked down for some insurance and, and other reasons. Uh, so, since there's nobody going to be there, I'm, I'm going to go to it tomorrow. I mean, you could. <laughs> there, there'll be nobody, nobody there. Nobody will be there. <laughs> It'll be safe. It'll meet guidelines. Exactly. <laughs> um, so that, that's what we ended up doing. You know, we, we moved it up before the hardcore lockdown. And we had 11 people, which is one over. But they were back farther because the preacher was there and whatnot. But um, we tried to keep it as limited as possible and, and, and what have you. But that's not the point. The point I'm making is I think that when we were going up, to that decision, we were saying, well, should we just wait it out? Maybe it'll be done by June. Well, or, or April, sorry, but maybe it'll be done by June. So should we reschedule it for something then? But maybe it's not done in June. Maybe there's other weddings that are down that path. And it's not just weddings, like a big decision like that. It's even little things like, um, yeah, well, not little things, but like graduations, should we cancel them or should we hold off to see if it's, it's better by then, you know, it was starting like, I know your soccer stuff, you know, was, was sort of canceled and trying to determine if it's going to be canceled or, or not. So uh, the point is, I think that kind of everybody as a whole business and personal lives are, are just kind of blindsided by this. And also with the lack of, of, well, I should not say lack, it's just un sheer uncertainty. Uh, and not knowing what to do, because I think a lot in a lot of business leaders minds right now, they're thinking, well, we, we do want to do these projects and it's going to be helpful in the short term. But if we all go back to work in a month, we really want to focus on these other things. And because there's really no good way to judge when this is going to be safe to, to go back to work for those that are actually going to go into an office and not be remote full time now, which we've already talked about. Um, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, those decisions being made. And I think that's probably a lot of the, the uncertainty we're seeing where you have people turning on the project, pausing the project, turning it back on, delaying it for two weeks, delaying it for a month, turning it back on, rescheduling. I think that's kind of, they're doing what my now wife and I did a month ago with, should we do it now? Nah, we'll just bump it two weeks. Maybe we should move it up two weeks. Should we cancel it completely and do it next year? Or should we do like, that's the exact problem that organizations are having. So I think that's what's going on. So your wedding didn't have a budget of like $140 billion though. <laughs> uh, like... <laughs> no, no, it didn't. Uh, unfortunately, I cannot right. spend $140 billion on a day. Yeah. So some of these larger organizations are just hopping everywhere. And so going touching on the fiscal bits, right? So, so if I were to put my, my uh, way forward machine buttons on in the stream deck and I hit it and I go like, I'm going to whoosh. There, there's the whoosh. I'm whooshing forward, you know, 12 to 18 months from now. A lot, a lot of projects that were postponed or canceled or are going to try to be done internally and or not be done. Um, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of organizations that for the next year to 18 months, they're going to say, yeah, budgets are tight because, because the, the revenue loss is, is immense right now. Um, and I'm not one, uh, again, things are political right now. I'm not advocating getting the economy going and any of that stuff. Whatever health people say is the thing to do, that's what needs to be done. Uh, the point I'm making is, is that there is these, and I don't want to use the word excuses because it's a real thing, um, these reasons for not doing stuff. Even if, like, say, a magical, magical flyover by... A C-117 happens and it disperses the corona cure to all and it's never an issue and everything's back and everybody's happy. 
what has happened from a revenue perspective and a loss of revenue is going to be it's going to impact projects right so when you when you look at all the three three lanes we're talking about prioritizing um that one is going to rear its head up over and over again to like yes it checks all the boxes and yes we'll get a return on it but we just don't have a mechanism right now to to fund that because we either kept our employees on or we you know didn't and we because we couldn't and the margins are so tight in our industry that you know we're back but we're not better than ever you know that kind of a thing so you know just keep keeping that in mind when you look at your projects there's things you can do now to make your life easy later. And, and I'm not advocating blowing the budget or scare uh, projects by fear. You know, those kind of things are not what I ever advocate. Things need thought out. We are having conversations daily about companies are like, okay, we could be more effective working remote if we had our files on basic Azure files or, or somewhere, you know, vectoring your data to the right place is, is critical. And so some companies are saying, yes, we're going to take it on the chin now and make those plays and changes later. Cause we know round two of this is going to come through because there's no cure vaccine yet. So round two will happen and it, we will be impacted. It's just a matter of how impacted we become and what we do from a from a, an IT pro or an architect or you know pick pick your pick your lane in our world what are you doing to better your your organization's stance and approach so yeah bringing that to a close i like it i think that um i will copy and paste everything you just said i think that uh, organizations need to look critically at what's going to be the best benefit and keep in mind that you know this is a, a trying time sure but i think that you know uh, this proves if anything that anything can happen uh, maybe it's uh, seasonal as people are saying uh, maybe you need to take the time now to kind of focus on what you're going to do to optimize people working from home uh, and there's some benefits of it too right you can you can downsize physical buildings not have to worry about uh you know hvac and stuff like that as much so there's some positives of it too so keep in mind what what projects really um uh, need to be focused on to make this more better as we like to say in the future <laughs> more awesomer more awesomer <laughs> very good so uh we're not going to have a channel nine video for this we did two in the last one so um we will do uh, next week we'll have a bunch going on. I wanted to touch base again on what we mentioned in the last show about some new segments coming up. Um, Mr. JG, do you remember this? Remember this? Those new features we're going to be doing. I do, and I actually wanted to talk about that as well. So um, something that I think is is a great idea, and it's funny that you brought it up last show, and I was going to talk to you about it off air, but you know, since we're talking about it now, really quickly, it's something that I really wanted to do and was excited about. As we joked before, I'm, I'm the guy that kind of set up the the Apple Podcast stuff. Um, so if anybody's listening on an i thing right now, you're welcome. Um, I think that when I <laughs> I knew it was coming, I tried to sneak it in before. Sorry, sorry, i people. Um, but I think that. Um, something that when I set that up that I thought of that I kind of put on the back burner because things got pretty crazy and really real really fast was 
Um, they have the comment section, which I don't really see in some of our other platforms. Some have it, some don't, some have ratings, no comments and, and stuff like that. And not only do I want comments, but I'd like, you know, some, f- uh, not feedback, but some thoughts on, Hey, we really uh, are interested in talking about or hearing your thoughts on X, Y, Z. Um, so I'll, I think that, you know, maybe we should circle around after this, this recording and kind of set up maybe a couple of Microsoft forums or something like that, where people can go in and we'll include those in the show notes and, you know, one for just share comments. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Um, as Michael mentioned, we have a, a no hurt butts policy, so um, we're always looking to improve ourselves. And, and critical feedback uh, is always as good as as, as uh, positive feedback. So and we are like, still we are still going to do it the way we want to do it, though. Just hey, yeah, <laughs> but but we'll we'll take into account what what the listeners want, right? The, yep. the listener is always right. Um, but I think that the other thing too, is we want to hear what you guys want to hear. Uh, you know, we can talk about what we want to talk about and obviously we'll continue to do that because we find that some things interesting and might spark some ideas on you, on your side as well, the listener. Um, but I think that it's, it's important to hear what, what you guys are, are, are feeling, you know, maybe you are, have a different take on something we said and you want us to discuss it and we'd be happy to do so. So I think. I think the best mechanism to do that across the board is including those kind of forms in the show notes. We'll make it public, uh, can be anonymous. So you, you don't have to worry about, um, us bashing you, which we obviously wouldn't do, but, um, we'll have to worry about that. And then we can go through them and kind of pick out some ones that, that, uh, kind of fit our, our flow of the, of the day and maybe, you know, cue some up too. So if you submit it and you don't hear anything, don't, don't worry. Uh, we might have a, a, a later show that fits that better. And I think that'll, I think that'll be a great way to kind of, you know, take this to the next level and really interact with our listeners, which I'd like to do. Yep. So, so I'm going to advocate uh, before any of that happens. We we got go to our Facebook page. We have we never promote it ever. It's just there. So, like it, whatever you need to do for that. We'll post every when we post a show. We're going to post a show there. We have nine different outlets to gather stuff. Like like you mentioned, we have you know the Apple stuff. We got the, the Stitcher stuff. We got the Spotify stuff. The Buzzsprout. So there's like all these different vectors. So if you want to leave a question or comment um, about something we talked about, feel free to go, go find us there on Facebook. We'll put the link. It, it, I think it already is already in the show notes and like that. And uh, then you can comment on, underneath each show we post there if there's questions or, or something you want to touch on. It's a good mechanism too as well. But if you have something you really, really want to say, we'll get you that form. Absolutely. Cool. I said it for you. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, that being said, um, sponsors will be in the show notes. We're n- no no direct callouts for this one this week. Um, next week, that's a whole different story. So, thank you all very much for listening, and have a good day. Thank you, Mr. JG. Absolutely. Bye, everyone. Alrighty. Bye. <laughs> Today's show is produced by Mr. Wentworth, directed by Michael Askins. Graphics and artwork provided by Art by Sophia, edited by Mr. Wentworth. Visit the show notes for terms and conditions. preview preview into what we're going to talk about right oh you know i miss the lady i miss the late sorry sorry to interrupt you i miss the lady saying your call is being recorded i know i miss that her i don't know maybe her contract wasn't extended or she's working from home and she can't jump in front of each call and say that ever and ever again